Hello and welcome to this episode of Governing Chatters. My name's Ronnie Court and I'm NGA's Head of Advice. I'm also joined today by Sam Tranter, one of our Senior Advice Officers. As part of NGA's Visible Governance Campaign, we have dedicated the month of March to focus on the support provided to governing boards by governance professionals. We are therefore spotlighting the work and role of clerks and other governance professionals to raise the profile of the importance of high quality and effective clerking. This reflects one of the aims of NGA's Clerking Matters campaign to increase the understanding of the importance of the work of clerks and other governance professionals. We recognise that a key part of this is for those professionals to develop and maintain effective working relationships with the chair, the board and executive leaders. Therefore, we wanted to hear directly from those clerking about how they do this. We're joined today by Barbara Girding, Kelly Goddard, Michaela Savage and Lynn Dykes, the winners and other finalists of our 2019 Outstanding Governance Awards in the clerking category. Hopefully our conversation with them today will give you some practical tips to help you in your clerking role. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi, Sam. We'd like to begin with the question of important factors in your approach to building and maintaining effective working relationships with the board or other key contacts. Michaela, can I come to you first, please? Communication is key and for building relationships with both governors and staff. Uh, By understanding what governors need, we can um, clearly communicate to the staff uh, the reports and the paperwork that we need. And I think it's about being aware of governors' uh, skills and the differing skills that they have, whether they're an experienced governor or a new governor, And by understanding and communicating with them, um, it can help support them in in the work that they do. Okay, Lynn, can I come to you now, please? And perhaps I know we've we've had we've touched on this before, haven't we? Because anyone that reads our magazine, Governing Matters, will soon find out that we had a conversation along these lines. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I I think there are. Um, a lot of different aspects to this, but um, take it right back to basics. You need to be clear on the roles. You need to be clear on your role and the roles of the governors and the role of the chair. Um, for clerking in particular, maintaining a relationship, you know, make good use of the appraisal system because you know you should be having an appraisal or you should be having a mid-year review. And that is a really good time to sit down with your chair um, and possibly the head teacher sometime as well. And just to say, you know, is this working for you? Is it working for us? Um, is there anything that we want to talk about changing? Um, trying to find a balance because you know we respect the fact that the governors are volunteers but they also have a very demanding role and they have statutory responsibilities within a legal framework. So it's, it's trying to constantly balance what you're asking and what you're expecting of them with what they're able to offer. Um, particularly if you've got a, a new chair or they might be new to your school, you know, ask questions, you know, it's very simple things like um, in the days when we used to be able to sit around a table and have a meeting, um, you might want to say to them, how would you like me to interrupt if there's something that I need to mention? You know, do you want me to just sort of put my hand up? Do you want to post it notes stuck on your diary? What, what is it you need? And try and find what works for them. Um, with the with colleagues, I think it's so important 
to just respect their workload. Um, if I, I work from home, as do most people these days, but I do work from home. And of course, I have no idea what's happening in the school office at the time when I want to ask something. So you need to be flexible, respect that, you know, they may or may not be able to help you when, when you need something. Um, if you can keep your own training up to date, um, you will start to build that respect with governors. Uh, but I would say very important in the relationship building is to stay neutral and remain professional. That's quite difficult to do sometimes because you want to build relationships. But equally, in a meeting, everybody around the table has to have the confidence in the clerk that what they're saying is neutral. And it's not sort of trying to curry favour with anybody or it's not trying to express a personal viewpoint. So neutral and professional, I think, is quite a good mantra. You mentioned there the context of going virtual and everyone, well, most people are still working from home these days. I wondered if, Kelly, I could come to you. You're in the unique position of having just returned from maternity leave and quickly had to adapt to this whole virtual governance world rather than having any kind of transition before that, what, what have you learned from the way this works in this in this new context that's quickly becoming the new normal? Um, I would say, actually, I think um, it's really business as usual. As you say, I've come back from um, from being off after having having my son, and um, come back into this whole new way of working. Um, it's really important that the, the skills that I've built up as a clerk continue in this virtual world. And I think our governors need even more support and guidance um, throughout this time, because I think when we spoke previously, Sam, we said that governance has changed so incredibly differently since, well, 18 months when um, before I went off on leave. Um, we've we've completely redone the way that we, we meet as governors. Um, and we've done it so quickly and um, been able to support our governors through this this new way of working. Um, I think I've just continued, as I said, I've, business as usual, continue to be myself. Um, I try to be approachable and personable and that my, I'm that friendly um, impartial ear, as, as Lynn said, that neutral person. I think what I've said there is kind of that, that there's personality traits that still come through as a clerk, regardless whether you're face to face around the table, as Lynn said or whether you're virtually supporting a governing board. Um, we have to remain very positive and calm um, in terms of the support we provide to our governors, particularly when there's um, technological issues in, in a number of meetings, as I'm sure we all experience from time to time. And I suppose going on from that, it's continuing to have um, confidence in myself and my ability um, as clerk after being off for a period of time and then having confidence in my knowledge, et cetera, means that um, my governing boards continue to have confidence in me and that really refines my um, relationships that I have with my governing boards. I wonder if at this point we could um, we could unpick a little bit the uh, the other key people so not not just your relationship with boards but those other people that it will be equally important to have those professional working relationships with like the senior um, senior leaders in relevant organizations and others within those organizations, whether those are trusts or individual schools, uh, such as Senko, business manager, or business professionals, rather people like that. And I think as we're all around the table, so to speak, discussing the role of clerking today, your relationships with other clerks, Kelly, you've mentioned that to me before. I wonder if we could we could discuss that because I think it's often glossed over, but 
very important, especially as we've lost some of those in-person networking opportunities, but the, the importance of that relationship with other governance professionals hasn't gone away, has it? Uh, absolutely, Sam. Um, uh, it's been really critical absolutely over this last last year to continue to maintain those relationships with um, other clerking colleagues and governance professionals, um, particularly in this virtual world. Um, uh, things have changed so quickly. It's important that we're able to um, speak to our colleagues, um, if possible, on a regular basis. I'm really fortunate that I'm part of a local authority clerking service um, of a number of established professional clerks. And we've made a point that um, on a weekly basis, we meet to really just have a catch up and check in, checking on everybody's mental health and well-being. Being a clerk can be quite um, a, a lonely job at times. Um, you, you are the one constant person that goes to potentially a number of governing board meetings. Um, and I often find that every single governing board meeting can throw up a different question or query or something different. And it's always important to have somebody else to bounce those questions and ideas off. Um, so we continue to meet, as I said, on a, on a weekly basis, virtually. And sometimes there isn't a lot to update. Um, it's just a, a catch up. Um, and then we've also been having um, what we're calling um, daily 11s, where we just meet for a little quick coffee. Um, and again, just to check in. But if there's any queries that people have had, that they just want to bite, rim by each other. This is very different as to what we used to experience previously, because we were a team of clerks that are based in an office and we've worked some of our time at home. Um, and again, just be able to bounce ideas off people or any queries that we've had, um, we've, we always felt was a real benefit of being part of a local authority service that has a base. Um, but we've tried to mirror that still now um, in, this, in this virtual world. Brilliant. I love the 11th's idea, it's brilliant. <laughs> and Barbara, can I come to, come to you please for your thoughts on how this works best in, in the settings in which you, Clark, particularly in relation to those those key individuals and not not just the board? Yes, I'm um, part of two maintained schools, but I clerk from home, so I'm not school-based. And it's a complete virtual experience for me over the last 12 months. I felt that attention um, and attending meetings was much better for many governors. So we had great participation uh, here in East Sussex in our meetings. And um, uh, it is important uh, for me to act more as a go-between now because I think email volume has increased enormously and the demands on staff um, throughout the entire year, uh, because schools were not closed but were literally open, have increased. So my role as clerk has changed in that time, become the sort of centre of a wheel, if you like, and I manage um, the well-being of the, the head teacher a little bit more than I used to in that I field all governor communication um, and make sure that we don't email over the weekends over crucial times where they should be, um, you know, looking after their well-being. Uh, in turn, this, this has meant for me that I actually work more um, now during times that I'm not used to. Um, managing your own time and your own well-being uh, and downtime is, is an important topic that's become more so, I think, um, over the last 12 months. Has anyone else found that the whole virtual monitoring regime without the ability to go into school as much as governors used to has brought them closer with particular individuals? Lynn. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've found is that some chairs have struggled, not necessarily just with the IT, 
but it's a very different way of organizing and, and delivering and managing a meeting for them because around the table you get all the sort of nuances the sort of natural feedback and things like that and that's lost on a screen and they're trying to um, encourage people to participate but you get all the IT technical issues you get delays and people talking over because of the delays and so I think it's quite a difficult thing for some chairs to get their heads around and one of the things that I have been doing is trying to make contact um, immediately before and after meetings almost as like a debrief but in a very informal way it's, it's a bit like my duty of care to them in a way just saying you know we're quite happy with that you know I thought it went okay Are you were right with that because normally you'd have these very brief and friendly informal conversations as people are packing up as they're leaving a meeting that type of thing whereas here it's very much an all or nothing under COVID it's you're either on screen or you're off and so more and more at the end of the meeting as people leave the chair and I stay online and we just chat through how it went how they feel about it because I'd really hate them to switch off and go away thinking I have no idea how that went um, you know they're professional in their own right I'm not saying that they need this support but it's something that we used to do very naturally and spontaneously and that's been lost whilst we've been um, virtual. Okay so we've done so far a good broad sweep of individual and collective approaches to building and maintaining these these working relationships um, perhaps we could move on to the question of um, times where you've had to use your your influencing skills to persuade the board to take a particular course of action in response to a particular scenario or where you know there's a best practice recommendation Link, can I come to you first on that one, please? Yeah, I think for me, it's um, less about persuading them to take a course of action and more about setting out the options that are available to them. It's very easy in governing board meetings for discussions to drift a little bit off direction. Um, and one of the things that I found, particularly when I first started working as a clerk, a tendency to drift into HR type discussions. And I think provided you've got the confidence and the knowledge to know why that's not good practice and to explain to them, you know, if this ever escalated, if you were ever called to be a panel member in a disciplinary or a grievance hearing, you know, by having this open discussion, you're all tainted and it's, it's not your role to be doing this. And so that was influencing the course of the discussion. It wasn't necessarily influencing the action they were going to take, but it did have an impact on, on where the meeting was going. So as I say, I don't feel I actually influence them to take a course of action, but I do think it's my role to present them as clearly as I can, the options available to them to help them make a decision. And do you think it's fair to say that that's a question of your your relationship with the board as a whole or indeed those committees you mentioned and not just a question of your relationship with the chair and uh, when it comes to their their skills in chairing a particular meeting absolutely i th i think that's it and that's where being neutral helps you've you've, you've made it a point of not ever defending a particular stance or something like that um, and 
if you happen to know that your chair has a particular view and a very strong view, you still have to have the courage and the confidence to say, yes, that is one, but there are other options as well. And to say that publicly so that everybody gets the same information. And as I say, it, it is the clerk's role to intervene where, where necessary. Michaela, can I come to you, please, on your, your experience of influencing and persuading the board? Uh, so I, I will probably comment on the annual rolling programme that we um, have for governors. We had a, a model annual rolling programme and I didn't feel that our chairs or vice chairs really owned that, that it had been personalised to our school. So uh, we met and went through it because it's a really important document that I use as a basis for setting agendas. And I felt it was very important that they bought into that and we personalised it uh, for, for our setting. So we met and went through it and also discussed with members of the senior leadership team. And now, now we have a document that I feel all our chairs and vice chairs have brought into, which is pertinent to our school and is really, really helpful when setting agendas. Is it fair to say then, in response to this, this question of how to influence and persuade, that it's not just a question of being reactive in particular situations, but, but proactive as well? And a, and a big element of this is it starts with agenda setting and keeping meetings focused. Very much so. I think being proactive is, is really, really important for the clerking role. Um, actually, in every area of the work that clerks do, um, whether it be agenda setting, um, whatever they're doing, it's always trying to think ahead. When information comes through, I'm reading it, digesting it, um, getting it out to our link governors if something is, if some government direction has come in, um, maybe about safeguarding, I'll immediately be signposting that to our safeguarding governors as, as well as to our safeguarding professionals in school all the time I'm being proactive and just trying to be ahead of the game so that they can do their governance role properly and effectively. Can I bring you in on this please Barbara? Yes thanks Anne. It's um, the, the interesting thing I think is being proactive there. Um, I totally agree with Michaela and um, as part of our agenda setting we um, have in the current governor meetings an agenda item that is talking about the next meeting's agenda item so that people can input and own um, and come on board with what we're doing. Of course, it's good to have an annual rolling plan. I would fully support that so that people are aware of the standing items and of the seasonal deadlines and, and submission um, work that needs to be agreed by governors and, and signed off. And I suppose it's not purely a question of agenda setting, but another important factor in between meeting is I guess your role in um, following up on actions within with certain individuals, do you see yourselves as having a, an equally important role in making sure those actions are following followed up, or is that is that something that is generally speaking it's handed over to those governing more than the task of agenda setting, which perhaps you have a, a, a bigger hand in? Um, yes, Sam, I do. I um, I, as Michaela said. I also share an action log um, after the meeting 
directly after the meeting I would share that we actually use Governor Hub for all our governors meetings within Coventry Governor Support Service um, and so I would share that on their um, notice board for their governing board after the meeting so that everybody understands what actions belong to who um, and then again as I said before I would follow that up after um, creating the agenda I would send the action log out with that and it would go out with the agenda as well so there's kind of three or four points where that could be followed up um, I think as a clerk, you probably influence, but in quite a discreet way at, at many occasions, not necessarily um, having to interject in a meeting and guide the conversation. But uh, um, as a number of my colleagues have said, with regards to agenda setting and um, conversations that you have had outside of the meeting. So it's clear that influencing and persuading takes place both inside and outside of meetings, but it's not limited to conversations, is it? it Equally important is emphasis on the effective use of particular documents in order to stay focused, but also to make sure they are operating within the correct legal framework and any terms of reference, making that point particularly pertinent to the multi-academy trust context where a lot depends on levels of delegation. Yeah, as a clerk, uh, something else that I think is quite helpful um, is to tether a discussion to some solid points of reference that governors will recognize. So if they are um, having a discussion about perhaps um, expanding an activity or looking at, I don't know, the career strategy or something like that, it's helpful as a clerk to have done a bit of preparation and just to remind them, does this comply? Does it align with your policies and your terms of reference? Because sometimes a discussion can sort of move at pace and whilst you don't want to sort of dampen any enthusiasm, it, it is useful um, as a benchmark to have these, these re reference documents um, as, a, as a point of um, focus for their discussion. Presumably that question of the terms of reference is particularly pertinent to the, the multi-academy trust context where a lot depends on what has been delegated to the local level. That's right. And that's where I'm, I, I certainly um, echo the comments that Kelly just made, because I also clerk for different types of schools and different types of governing boards and committees. Um, and sometimes you do have to, as Clark, put a different hat, completely different hat on, and you have to sort of stop and think before you say something, is this relevant to this board? Um, but again, that's where the preparation comes in. Um, and that is part of our, our role. And I think I've mentioned um, to you before, Sam, the analogy that um, clerking, it's a bit like being a member of a curling team. And the clerk is the one furiously sweeping away all the obstacles um, so that nobody trips up on the way to achieving their goal. And um, I see myself in that. I'm sure there must be a, a cartoon somewhere of a clerk doing exactly that. That's a brilliant comparison. I'm glad you mentioned it again. Barbara, can I bring you in on this point? Yeah, I'm wholeheartedly agreeing here with, with um, Lynn on this very important point. I absolutely adore this metaphor. I think it's brilliant. Um, in my opinion, it is important for everybody to run um, autonomously. And um, I like empowering governors to take responsibility for reading the document that is relevant to their link area, at least um, preparing for meetings and um, supporting the schools under their own voluntary enthusiasm. I do try and make every governor feel very valued um, with their contribution. And I highlight in my minutes in particular uh, their answers, any question they pose 
um, to show their value, the value of their contribution. But uh, I think any question that governors ask, I try and, and support uh, as long as it is in the best interest of the children, it's a valid question to ask. I like the suggestion that it's that it's not just a question of um, explicit interventions in relation to particular discussions in meetings, but there is there's something more more subtle about this, as you mentioned. It's bringing bringing discussions back to policies where relevant, and I suppose it's also a question of um, suggesting appropriate guidance reading or resources that that may be useful is is there anyone here that has a particularly strong hand in disseminating appropriate reading signposting guidance on a regular basis to make sure that governors are being persuaded to not just keep up to date but i guess just read the right things around the right topics michaela um each week um i send out to our governors uh, a weekly uh, governance alert and what I try and do is, um, because all governors are exceptionally busy and many governors do have um, full-time jobs as well, I try not inundate them with information. There's so much information that comes out all the time. Um, governance is changing all the time. Um, so what I try and do is I collect it up over a week and I put it into one email that I send out to them. And if it's not appropriate for all governors to receive it, um, I try and actually send it individually to our link governors so that they're not swamped with information because I think it can be really difficult every time they open their inbox, if there's a dozen or so emails, it can make the job, well, it, that, the role very, very difficult. So I think it's really important as clerk to try and do a lot of back background reading for our governors and then just send the right type of information to them rather than just this blanket approach of sending everything out and then them feeling overwhelmed with it. That's a really good point. We talk a lot about staff, well-being and welfare in school. There's, there's, there's also a question of governor well-being and something Governing is something they do on a volunteer basis. It's likely to take up a fair amount of their free time. I think it's important that they're reading the right things efficiently so that this, this task doesn't take up too much time, basically. There's, there's a question, not so much of workload reduction, but just efficiency and with that well-being, governor well-being. Okay, one final question on this particular subject. Does anyone have any tips on managing those potentially awkward conversations on difficult or contentious issues with, um, with the senior executive leader within an organization or the chair where you think, hang on a minute, I've got, to, I've got to intervene here. I've got to say something, or you know a particular course of action would be appropriate or a particular outcome would be more suited to the discussion the board needs to be having about a particular issue. Do you have any tips about those kind of those kind of scenarios and managing those difficult conversations? Lynn? I think one of the things that a clerk can do, um, particularly if um, a situation is getting perhaps heated or a little emotive or something like that, a clerk could ask the chair to recap where where we are in the meeting. Um, I have before intervened by saying. Um, I'm sorry, Chair, for the minutes, could you just clarify 
the point that we're taking forward here. And it sort of stops the discussion, but without saying, look, will everybody stop what you're doing? You can't do this. It, it gives people the time to just take a breath, have a think. And sometimes it can actually introduce some humour to the meeting because sometimes the chair will go, do you know what? No, I can't. I don't know where we are right now because the discussion has gone on. It's gone round in circles, perhaps. I hasten to add, this is none of my current governing bodies. Um, but it's something that the clerks can and should do because um, time is precious for governors. And it, it is important that, that you know, we conduct the business um, in the most appropriate and timely manner. And so it's something that I've certainly done on several occasions, just said, sorry, Chair, can you just clarify the point that's being made here? That's a good point. And I, for one, am of uh, more humour in governing board meetings. Thank you for everyone's contribution so far. Staying on the topic of governing board meetings, specifically boards demonstrating support and challenge, what's your approach in supporting boards with asking challenging questions? Yes, Rani, I think in terms of my approach to governing boards asking challenging questions goes back a little bit to the discussion we had earlier um, where I mentioned when there perhaps might be a lack of confidence in a governing board that um, a small group might meet beforehand to discuss documents and to formulate questions. Um, however, sometimes when paperwork is particularly robust or detailed, it's often difficult to show questioning. Um, however, as clerk, I might well formulate a question out of the comment that's made or um, a discussion point that's had within a meeting. Sometimes as clerk, you very much want to show um, those challenging questions, but they don't always come out as questions per se. It could be um, a summary of discussion, um, but it's really important, as we all know, um, that um, when the inspection comes, that you can see challenge within minutes from our governing boards. And when I write my minutes, um, I always write um, questions in bold type and always write the answer um, to that question for the governing board, purely for reference, but also for a quick scan so you can see um, if, if, there were, if an inspection was to happen. Thank you, Kelly. And I agree, it can be difficult if the papers are robust and very detailed for governors and trustees to ask further questions. Beyond this, can I ask about your role in managing questions from governors or trustees? Yes, Lynn. Uh, yes, with some of my governing boards, um, the questions are, or, or some of the questions are presented in advance. Um, it's quite important, I think, that the clerks get a copy of that as well, because if they are answered outside of the meeting, you want to capture that in the minutes. Um, but yes, we, we do um, encourage that where we can. And another thing that we do, um, for new or inexperienced governors, they are assigned um, a buddy or a mentor governor. And one of the things that we encourage is that they try out their questions on their buddy or their mentor. It's quite a daunting thing to ask a question, um, particularly if you're new. We do try to encourage everybody and say, there's no such thing as an inappropriate question. You know, if you're not sure, please ask. If you want to know something, please ask. But I think trying it out with um, alongside a buddy or a mentor gives people that extra bit of confidence to, to be able to go ahead with that. Um, I think all clerks have got a bag of tricks in their back pockets to try and help move a meeting along and to ask the challenging questions. Thank you, Lynn. Michaela, what are your thoughts on encouraging new governors and trustees to ask questions? I think um, induction of new governors is, is important. And certainly when a new governor joins um, a governing board and they go to their first meeting, um, even if they have 
perhaps been a governor in a, a previous setting or maybe they haven't been a governor before um, sometimes it can be a lack of confidence in asking questions so um, we um, as Lynn said we do have mentors for all of the governors that join our governing board so that people can sound off of their mentor and also um, we encourage them to participate in training because I think when they attend training they become more confident and then they feel more able to ask those questions within a, uh, a meeting. Thank you. I definitely agree that training is key in preparing governors and trustees to ask questions. Barbara, can I ask what your approach is to supporting your boards? Yes, all of the above that was mentioned by Lynn and Kelly and Michaela. Um, I am mindful of the time that we demand from our senior lead leaders and I try to support questions, but the line between the operational and the strategic at times needs to be um, guided, I think, when it comes to the question asking. And that is comes with confidence for the clerk as well as the governors, as we've said, with training, which is not uh, an easy easy thing to do because the, the role, I believe the role of, of governance and of a governor to learn takes at least a year, if if not a bit longer even. Thank you. And you, you raise a really interesting point about, um, and it, it also leads on to the conversation earlier about workload balance and both for members of staff and governors and trustees. So how do you, within your individual boards, manage those questions between meetings that need to go to individual members of staff? So if you would have Perhaps a finance question, do they all go through you? Are they sent through to the executive leader? What's your experiences of that? Michaela? Well, Rani, in our setting, um, any questions that governors have go through myself as the clerk so that um, SLT and other members of staff are not bombarded by governors. But also it means that I become the linchpin for everything and I know exactly what's going on and the conversations that are occurring and what, that also helps when we're agenda setting. So all of our governors, any communication that takes place, even if they do communicate directly with a member of SLT, they will copy myself in so that I know exactly what's happening. And I think that's a really good way to also keep the governing board's role strategic, because I think if those questions do start veering into the operational, it gives you a chance to um, to intervene and, and and bring stuff back into the sort of the strategic um, angle. Um, does, does anybody else have their own tips or how they feel those questions? Lynn? Yes, um, I, I must admit that the relationships with key personnel in school um, are essential to being able to manage the workload. Um, I have a very strong working relationship with the heads PA or the school business managers in the, in the schools, and I can also use them as a sounding board. I don't tend to go to individual members of staff. Um, if I need some information, I would go to one of them and say, is this a good time to ask XYZ of a particular member of staff or a member of the SLT? Um, so I tend to communicate primarily with either the head teacher or the, the, the head's PA or the school business manager. Um, I don't go further afield than that. Kelly, did you want to um, say something in relation to what Lynn's just raised? It, yes, Ronnie, for me, it's where my action log comes into place again. So if there are challenging questions that arise within a meeting 
and require an additional response to that from a, the member of staff in the school. Um, this would be delegated to usually the head teacher um, or the head PA or, or the senior member of the team or, or the chair of governors, for instance, as Lynn has indicated. Um, and that will be included in the action log then to make sure that it is followed up and that the question is answered for the next meeting or indeed um, immediately after the meeting. What I've also included on the action log that um, I use is an impact column as well. We've talked about quite a lot today about the amount of time um, commitment that being a governor takes, but also the pressure that our staff in school are under. So therefore, if we're asking challenging questions, or should I say our governors are asking challenging questions, then there's a reason for that. And any follow-up work that's done, there's an impact from that that our governors are having on, on uh, their schools and the governing board. Thanks, Kelly. Um, and does anybody have experience of situations where challenge hasn't been particularly welcomed? Um, and so what's ended up happening is the, these questions have been asked and they've maybe been glossed over or ignored, um, but at the same time ensuring that the board has all the information that they need to carry out their role effectively. The clerk does have a role in this. Um, and you're quite right that challenge is sometimes um, well received and sometimes not so. But I think that's where the clerks can encourage not just courageous clerking, but courageous governance as well. Um, it is it is important that governors do get the answers to the questions that they're, they're asking. Um, and sometimes it might mean that something is um, deferred and brought back again, that the danger of that is that it loses impact. So wherever possible, I think it's really important for clerks, if they can see that an item of business is unfinished, to try to lock it down at that meeting because um, if it does tend to drift, it's not going to have the same impact as, as at, the, at the time. So looking back, obviously, at the last 12 months, um, government boards have completely changed in some respects the way that they work. Um, and I, I know from speaking to governing boards on the gold line um, that the, the challenge and support relationship has changed because senior leaders have been under the pressure that they have been. How do you feel that the challenge that the board provides has changed it now that meetings are virtual. Okay, so yeah, Barbara. I think the um, content of current meetings has taken a slightly different focus away from challenge. I just wanted to um, put that in there over the last 12 months because of the except exceptional circumstances that we find ourselves in. Excellent, uh, Michaela. I think uh, governing boards are or certainly our governing board is acutely aware of the enormous pressure that the school has been under and the, the focus of the business has has changed during the pandemic and and there's there's been less of a focus on business as usual and and meetings have been much more about remote learning and uh schools coming back from uh the lockdowns so so i think there's been less challenge but there's need to be less challenge just because of the exceptional circumstances of the pandemic and how governance has had to change and react to that yeah absolutely agree in relation to challenge and how that works in virtual meetings does anybody else have any experiences they want to share do they feel that perhaps it's it's improved somewhat because maybe people are a bit more confident virtually maybe they have Time-wise, it may work better. Kelly? Thanks, Rani. I think for me, 
it um, it really helps if you have a good relationship with your chair and you've got an effective chairperson in a, in a virtual meeting to ensure that everybody feels like they've been heard um, that everybody is able to answer their and um, have their challenging questions answered and also to have the opportunity to put any thoughts forward or discussion points at a particular meeting if, if um, I find it really effective when a chair has taken a point in the middle of a meeting and gone around the table after say five or six items and then asked um, everybody to put in a question or a comment at that point um, and then also to ensure that a chair summarizes the discussion that's taken place I think Lynn's right that their people are often unlikely to um, interject during meetings now um, and sometimes people might well think of something that they wanted to say three or four items ago that might come forward later on in the meeting. So it's really important that a chairperson is able to um, effectively summarise that meeting but allow um, good opportunity for discussion as, and question answering as well. Finally, um, in order to ensure that the governing board have the necessary skills for effective governance, um, clerks and other governance professionals will often help identify the individual and collective skills of the governing board and using this information, advise the board on their current membership um, and whether their wider structure is fit for purpose. How do you help with this? Barbara, did you want to start? We have a annual skills audit that we conduct and a sort of gap analysis in our skill sets and experience set that we look at. And that um, I collate the information and then we'll have it as an agenda item and discuss it with everybody. Um, and that leads then into looking for new skills when needed or training um, recommendations. And it, this year, I think we're going to do something slightly different because it's been a different year to normal. I, I think we'll talk about goal setting or impact adding value um, in our last meeting in July in order to link this to the particular lead roles that everybody also has on the board. and. Um, I, I quite like governors to feel that they can own what they have done in the year. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah, Kelly? I think the skills audit is great, not only for supporting the current governing board and looking at their um, training requirements, but also um, serves to support membership of your governing board and increasing membership and looking for um, skills externally to bolster um, the effectiveness of your governing board um, and upskill everybody um, around the table. Um, you can look for you can use the skills audit to look for additional specific skills and um, to contribute to effective governance um, and school improvement. It also enables you in this current climate, in this virtual climate, to look further afield for membership for your governing board. I have experience of governing boards that I support locally that have appointed people that live um, a number of miles away that would never have been able to support a governing board um, to the level that they do um, unless in this virtual world. It might well be they do not support um, on a face-to-face -face basis and even monitoring might take place um, going forward, which is very um, different to how we've worked in governance previously. But by in undertaking skills audits and then using that to inform the, the membership and the skills that's required around the table has led to um, different appointments um, on various different governing boards that I support. Okay, so finally then, um... What are your experiences of um, carrying out reviews of board membership, board structure? Have you um, perhaps moved to a different cycle of meetings um, or had a look at the board membership and decided to change it because you felt it wasn't quite working as well as it should have? Um, and so you've had a conversation with the chair and put forward other ideas. No? Um, Lynn? 
I have got experience of two boards moving to a circle model of governance, which was quite a big change for them. Um, and they did think long and hard about whether they wanted to make this shift. The committee model had been in place for a long time and it was very familiar to people. But what was happening was that there was almost a tendency to say that they were absolved of responsibility because the committee was dealing with that. That was nothing to do with them. And there was a feeling that perhaps a collective responsibility on issues needed to be given a bit more emphasis. Lynn, for the benefit of those who may not know exactly what the circle model of governance means in practice, given that it's, I think it's more prevalent in some local authority areas than others in, in terms of how it's defined, would you mind just unpicking that concept a little further and explaining, for instance, um, how many full board meetings a year that might involve if there's no permanent committees and, and what some other individual delegated responsibilities might look like without without committees dedicated to those purposes? The circle model of governance um, is, is very different to a committee model in that all decisions are made by the full governing body. So with a committee model where decisions could be delegated to individuals or groups, with the circle model, it's the full governing body that makes the decisions. And that means they are party to all information on all aspects of um, the operations of that school and also the strategic direction as well. Um, in terms of meetings, they meet at least six times a year. So one of the new terms each. So one meeting a term. For my governing boards that I work with, with the circle model, we actually have a seventh meeting. We have an additional meeting at the very beginning of September. And that's when we conduct all the annual governance review. So we elect the chair, we elect the vice chair, we agree the terms of reference and um, assign lead roles. And the lead roles are going to be things like health and safety, a named SEN governor, finance monitoring, pair. I mean, it can be individuals, but obviously a pair or more is better. But the main difference, as I say, is that all business is conducted in full governing body meetings and all decisions are made there as well. Excellent, thank you. That's great. Thank you so much for your brilliant contributions. I'm sure they'll be of great help to all those involved in clerking who are listening to this. Um, for anyone else who would like to get in touch about this and any other discussions relating to clerking, you can email NGA on the clerkingmatters at nga.org.uk email address. The Twitter handle for the account dedicated specifically to those in clerking roles is at clerk to governor. And at the end of March, for those listening ahead of that time, we have a clerking conference for clerks and other governance professionals uh, taking place 10 o'clock in the morning till 12.30 each day, the last two days of March. And for more practical tips on clerking, all things clerking, you can look to our Clerking Matters dedicated pages in the Governing Matters magazine. This year's nominations are open for this year's Outstanding Governance Awards, which includes a category for clerks and new to the awards this year, a category for lead governance professionals involved in the leadership and management of wider clerking services and support in that area. 
And currently the survey for those in clerking roles is also open and closes on the 1st of April, 9 a.m. on the 1st of April. Just before we go, I'd like to say thanks again to Barbara, to Kelly, to Michaela, and to Lynn for their wonderful contributions. Goodbye.